Matthew McConaughey's here. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew McMuttlecain. <laughs> Get fucked. <laughs> oh, That's episode... a long play. <laughs> People understand why I'm telling you to get fucked right at the end of this episode now. Uh, I, you know, the strange part is that most people are probably sympathetic with your get fucked Nick position. <laughs> and, and then it's going to go, oh, context or not, sense is like a reasonable request. <laughs> um, okay, episode 38 of Paul. In the key of Springfield. Today we're looking at season four, episode eight, New Kid on the Block. New Kid on the Black to give the Mad Magazine parody that I assume exists. Uh, I, almost certainly. And season four, episode nine... Mr. Plow. Yes, Mr. Plow, that's his name. His name again is... Is Mr. Plow. That's right, that's how it goes. Yes, that song. Um, yeah, these so... Are, these episodes, pretty good. Pretty good, pretty, pretty good. Good, good episodes of The Simpsons. Pretty good. And that's that's our podcast for this week. In Springfield. I'm getting kind of tired of that bit as well, <laughs> False endings. Yeah. No, false endings are one of the key features of any podcast. But the editing is a pain anyway. Uh, let's... We need to come up with a macro. Like, I don't know if Audacity, the editing program we use, I don't know if it can handle macros, but you just need to do like, uh, uh, I don't know, control shift FE for fake ending, and then it just splices it all for you. What about Macross, the, uh, the anime about the giant robots? Um, Do you okay. like that? Okay. What about Macro Meats, the factory in South Australia that does kangaroo meat for pet food? <laughs> okay. I'm trying to remember the name of that French film that was like Micmacs. That's it. What Mic- about Micmacs, a film that I have not seen, Mic- neither of you? Micmacs. Okay. What about Magimix, a brand of blender? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> Let's talk about The Simpsons. Um, uh, my first comment on uh, New Kid on the Block. Which is the one with uh, some neighbours move in and Bart yeah. is in love with the daughter. Yeah. Uh, it's Ruth Powell, right? Ruth Powell. Yeah. yeah. Or Powers? I thought it was Powell. Uh, oh, no, it's I've Powers. got it. It's written down here somewhere. Uh, Powers, I've got written down here. Powers. 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 Falls in love with Laura Powers. <laughs> Laura Powers. Um, or you can eat seafood restaurant. I've got here weird question mark. All you can eat restaurants I'm on board with. Hmm. And I can understand like all you can eat Indian, all you can eat Thai, all you can eat I think that's motorbike Mike. Oh. He's really hey. revving. Try not to talk, I'm turning the gain up as nice. oh, and then he stopped his revving. Oh I just Jeez. I just turned the gain up an extremely large amount. To try and get maximum motorbike mic, and then he shut up. And now we have to whisper the rest of the episode. No, I turned it back down, James. It's oh, fine. okay. Um, so, you know, all you can eat Indian, all you can eat Thai, all you can eat pasta. I kind of get all of those things. Or you can eat buffets at like a, like a, like a, well, I was going to say Charlie's, but that's an extremely <laughs> specific niche reference. South Australia. It's a real place. 
Although um, if you are South Australian, you did go to Charlie's at some point in your childhood. It usually was. when your netball or soccer team had their end of year party. But Yeah, assuming you lived down that way, which I, we both did. I didn't play netball or soccer. No, but you um, still went to Charlie's. Yeah, but I think people get the idea of an all-you-can-eat buffet. Gener- Pizza Hut, there you go, there's an yeah. example. Pizza Hut, Yeah, all-you-can-eat. There still um, is one of those at, in the same area, like down the road from Charlie's. Yeah, I believe yeah. that that was the only... The, the one, the Pizza Hut at Marion might mm. be the only all-you-can-eat Pizza Hut left in South Australia. There really, there's a lot of buffet restaurants around there. There's like yeah. Fresh Choices down that way as well. And it is, is Fresh Choice still going? I think so. <clears throat> Fuck, that's impressive. Um, God, they, there used it... to be there used to be a Sizzler down that way as well. In that corner, yeah. corner opposite Flinders Uni, where every single shop that's gone there has died, and they've oh, now the one with like Lone Star and the Lone Star Outback Steakhouse. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I mean, of all the things people expect on this episode, Pods in the Key of Springfield, I feel like buffet restaurants in the Marion suburb area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what unexpected, even by my standards. It's that's what I tuned in for. Now, my feeling with seafood in buffet restaurants is uh, just, just quickly. Yeah, not only are the all-you-can-eat buffets of Charlie's and Pizza Hut in the same area, they're actually on the same street. That's true. They're, it's a long they're street. Both on Sturt Road. But uh, my thinking here is that. Uh, seafood will be like a subsection of these places usually. There'll be like a section where there's like some grilled fish. My thoughts exactly. Some Khaled Murray. So, and, <laughs> some some crumb yeah. some crumb bed Khaled Murray. Yeah, and typically, you know, you might have one plate where you have like a quarter of that plate is dedicated to seafood and you'll try like, oh, seafood's yeah. not bad here. And you have a prawn corner. Yeah. A prawner. Prawn Corner, the new segment of the Kids. New segment of Prawns in the Kids Springfield. Where we discuss prawns and prawn related objects. Yeah. Like uh like uh like Peppy the Muppet. He's a prawn, I think. Is he? It might be a lobster. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. I think he is a prawn. I reckon he's, he's a, a prawn. prawn fellow. I reckon he's Peppy the Prawn. Yeah. And he's responsible for one of my favourite ever Muppet quotes. Someone tells him something and he just goes, Unbelievable! I don't believe it. Yeah, good. Which I really enjoy. It's good. Mm. It's good comedy. Uh, that was another segment of um, Nick's unnecessary voice acting <laughs> corner. <laughs> it's next to Prawn Corner. The very first scene of this episode... But, sorry, to, to tag back on that sentence. Okay, sure. Um, seafood is a subset of an all-you-can-eat restaurant, but the idea of a, an all-you-can-eat restaurant that only does seafood, I actually find that quite weird. Yes, it's, it's um, strange. I find it quite strange. Now, the very first scene... Homer's watching some sort of like weird nineties like MTV dating show. Yeah. And the host is asking which of these women said, He looks so sexy, uh, I hope we would have sex. Yep. Which is a bit that I really like and they're all laughing and cavorting around and it's my eternal shame. I'm thirty now. I'm never gonna be like the sexy guy on one of these TV shows. I feel like, you know, as a child you watch those shows, like maybe that'll be me one day. Wow. Never lived that dream. It's yeah. gone now. I mean, you could host one of those shows. I could. You could get a camera and make it in your basement. <laughs> Nothing weird about that. <laughs> I mean, in this economy, having a basement. <laughs> that's, uh... well, I suppose so. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I uh, actually, you I'm know, never going to be like the Bachelor. You know what? Houses in Adelaide, I think, tend not to have basements. I don't think yeah. Adelaide supports a basement style of living. Yeah, we're not a common basement. We're uh, not a common area. basement area. No. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's more very specific. I, I just want I, I want the listeners who because a large portion of our listenership is not living in the same suburb as you and I. I go so far as to say a vast majority, vast majority, and I feel like they need to know where are the all you can eat buffets. 
What mm. are the relative percentages of basement ownership? Yeah, when people visit um, Adelaide specifically because of our podcast, which has happened exactly once, uh, it, is, <laughs> <laughs> it is a, uh, yeah, it's something people need to know about. It is something people need to know about. Mm. Should we get the tourism board to sponsor us, do you think, to uh, promote yeah, f- fine dining in Adelaide? I think we need to get in before those bastards at Adelaide do it. <laughs> They've already got the History Trust cornered, soon they'll be going for the tourism board. Yeah, Adelaide, if you ever want to do an episode about Charlie's, let's all go to Charlie's together and have oh, a meal. Yeah, let's do that. Kind right. um, of think of it, there are actually all-you-can-eat seafood places, I think, like... I remember listening to an episode of the Doughboys, which is an American like fast food podcast, where they went to a all-you-can-eat shrimp thing. I feel like all-you-can-eat shrimp is a big thing in the US, which is what they call prawns. Which is what they call prawns. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That seems a little... That, that, Arrested I, Development has a lot of jokes about shrimp fest. I don't know. It seems like a thing. That seems kind of baffling to me, because Australians love prawns around Christmas time. You can't go anywhere without treading over mountains of discarded prawn heads mm. um or at least the, throwing them on the barbie uh, mm. but um uh yeah i don't know i feel like american tv has an obsession with prawns that is not reflected in australian society probably because it's american tv but mm. uh yeah I don't, the, the idea of an australian restaurant being all you can eat prawns is baffling to me yeah, prawns are kind of framed as a luxury item here quite often. Yeah, mm. maybe that's it. Maybe it's a supply and demand thing. Because, you know, back in like Victorian England days, yeah. oysters were like food for poor people because it was just a rich source of protein and there were millions of them. Mm. And now delicious you, slime. And now you <laughs> delicious slime. It's like snot that you can eat. Um, Except it tastes really good. Yeah. Um, I'm an oyster man. Are you an oyster guy? Yes, I am. I like oysters. The okay. first time, the first time I ever had an oyster, it was not in optimal circumstances. I had a seafood pizza, and it came with an oyster in its shell on the middle of the pizza. But the oyster oh, had a... the oyster had been baked and grilled with the pizza. I get fucked. I know. So it was a horrible hot oyster, and I didn't like it. But well, a horrific waste of an oyster. It was terrible. But then I went to a. The second time I had oysters was in a uh, Japanese restaurant in Melbourne, sure. and they had this nice like yuzu dressing, that citrusy kind of thing. It was really cool. I Maybe really we should did. go to an oyster place to celebrate our first birthday. Oh, yeah, let's do that. All right, cool. All right. There's a couple of oyster bars here. In... Wait, do they count as an all-you-can-eat seafood restaurant? Like the oysters? Well, it's not all-you-can-eat. Well, can... I suppose if you keep paying more, more, yeah. more money. Just... That's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, any restaurant is all-you-can-eat if you're willing to keep buying individual meals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> That's like a car, if a car dealership was like, as many cars as you can buy. It's like, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. That's the standard. Anyway, whatever. So this episode of The Simpsons... Uh, Ten minutes in. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a bit early on. The neighbours, the old neighbours are moving out. The ones who, back in Homer's Odyssey, were pleased to see that Homer was going to kill himself. They're moving out. Now, that's the same woman that had... The uh, Santa's little helper in her backyard, right? Splashing around in her swimming pool. I think so. Yeah, I reckon we decided that was the same woman. Mm. I have... I So, in this episode, they are neighbours to the Simpsons. Yeah. I was under the distinct impression that the geography, when she said, Mr. Simpson, I have your dog here, that the geography was that she was two or three streets away and that the dog had run away. 
I also think that the pool that she had at that time must have been concreted over because it is not referred to in any point mm. of this episode. Well, interesting you should say that because as we'll get into a little later in this episode, the geography of Springfield is in flux in this episode. In flux. Yeah, something has gone horrifically wrong with this town. Oh, that's not good. And now our understanding of space is uh, in fluctuation, I think. We'll get into that a little later. Though. Okay, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll put that on yeah. the little later pile. Yes, little later pile. It's an increasingly large pile. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, he sees there's a bunch of shit outside the house. There's old newspapers, expired medicine, and wire hangers. Yep. Now, I feel like old newspapers and expired medicine are not in the same category as wire hangers. If I saw a big box of wire hangers just sitting outside, I'd say, great, wire hangers. We're going to take them home yep. and hang all my clothes on them. Yeah. I'm going to hang clothes on most of them, and then I'm going to take a couple of others and use them as replacements for the aerial of my car that I don't have. Yeah. Um, it's not going to be anything like that movie Mummy Dearest, where What's-Her-Face is uh, very angry at her daughter for putting her clothes on in wire hangers, and screams, no wire hangers ever. I'm not going to do the voice, but she does it. What, what movie are you referring to? Mummy Dearest. Is that, is that a... It's about like a... Is that a reboot of Brendan Fraser? When he had the mummy and then he had mummy dearest. <laughs> and then the Very... mummy was like, you're ruining all my bandages by putting them on these wire coat hangers. That could be like mm. a very you know meta-textual like, reboot of the Mummy franchise. This is the last one with Tom Cruise didn't work. Just do it so it's like Brendan Fraser himself trying to get a new Mummy film made. Because it's the last <laughs> time he was like hugely culturally relevant. That's... Oh, hey, which, which, came, which was later? Mummy or George of the Jungle? I'd say... Uh, I think... I think George of the Jungle was like 97 and The Mummy was like 99 and then The Mummy yeah. Returns in 2001. Yeah, okay. Featuring Dwayne The Rock Johnson as the Scorpion King. Oh, yeah. Who then got his own spin-off film, which then spawned multiple sequels that Dwayne The Rock Johnson was not in. Right. And then in like 2009, I think, they made The Mummy like Curse of Some Bullshit Tomb. <laughs> I forget the name of it, but it had Brendan Fraser again. Some- Brendan Fraser... For the record, has had a legitimately hard run of things, and I don't want to make fun of him. But it's uh, it would be it would be a good film, I think. I have a feeling, Brendan. No, never mind. Um... No, he's gone through some actual shit. There was an article about it a while oh, back. Oh no, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't going to swing hard against him. I thought I had an anecdote, but I don't. It's the right. I was thinking about. He was good else. on that one episode of Scrubs. You know that one good episode of Scrubs. Uh, no, I don't know any episodes of Scrubs. Okay, well, there's one that's good. Okay. <laughs> he's on it. I see. So. That's my hot take on Scrubs. Uh, Homer is very reactive in this episode. Mm. This is one of my notes. He has strong reactions to everything that happens. Mm. He's very cartoony. He's very buoyant. 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 Boing. I like it. It's good. All right. Yeah, I mean, okay. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. (laughs) This is a fun episode. This is also a weird episode. One of my notes... Towards the end is a, this is a weird app full of fucking great one-liners just zinging like a motherfucker. Yeah, I think I looked at you at some point. Actually, in both this and Mr. Plow, yeah. I turned to you and said, this is a fucking heavy episode. Like, yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on in both of these, and they're both extremely quotable. Yeah, and I just think. sort of like unhinged in a strange way. Yeah. Like, uh, just like they're just throwing everything at the screen. It's got that, like, season four has an energy to it. Mm. I think it's different from the earlier seasons where just, like, fucking everything is happening all at once, yeah. all the time. And lots of lots of uh, densely packed in things. Like, when the the, uh, the new neighbours are moving in, yeah. um, I'd say it would be standard Simpsons fare 
to see um, a moving person drop a box and hear something break. That's fairly standard. Yeah. But it is wonderfully season four that the truck has clumsy student movers written on the side of it. Yeah. And so you end up getting like two jokes for the for in a very short amount of time. Yeah. It's good. And just like the concept of such an aggressively terrible business model. Yes. It's fun and good. It's very good. And uh, there's like a lot of just fun stuff off to the side. Like one thing I really like in this episode is there's a scene of Bart and Lisa sneaking into their neighbor's basement and then like telling spooky stories down there. You know, in Adelaide, we tend not to have basements. That's true. That's true. Uh, if it was here, I guess they'd just be sneaking into the living room. Yeah, perhaps the rumpus room. Ooh, do we have rumpus rooms? Uh, I've known one or two people that have had a rumpus room. I would not consider any of the rooms in your house to be a rumpus room. Not in my house. My house has a very limited number of rooms. It's hard to get a rumpus room with when you've got open plan kitchen dining living is all about what one one relatively <laughs> modest room. You know what the I think the Adelaide thing is that everyone has a spare room, but nobody has anyone ever visiting it because nobody visits Adelaide. Oh, I see what you've done there. That's an interesting point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I made... When I moved into this house, I made a very interesting choice, which not only do I have a... uh, I have my... I bought a new bed when I moved in here. Yeah. I have my old bed uh, as the spare bed, which you've used a couple of times. I have, yes. But then I also went out and bought a couch that rolls out not folds out rolls out to become a queen yep. bed there's a full queen bed in that couch that i'm pointing at yeah um rolls out like a transformer yeah and because i was like well fuck what if people stay i'll need i'll need at least two queen size spare beds yeah i've used one of them maybe well, sorry, the spare bed has been used maybe four times yep. in the two years that I've been here. This rollout sofa bed, never been used once. <laughs> I've really, really gone hard into the idea of accommodating people. Yeah. But what I forgot was that in Adelaide, everything is only five minutes away. Yes. <laughs> so everyone's like, well, I'm just going to go home. Why yeah, would I I'll s- just get an Uber or whatever. <laughs> why, why would I sleep on a substandard sofa bed? <laughs> it's actually a really nice bed. I spent a whole day on it once when I was too hungover to move. <laughs> Fantastic. Hmm. I, that was... um. The day after my 30th, all I could manage to do was roll out the sofa bed, lay on it. I found a Jamie Oliver YouTube channel, put it on, and then about eight hours later, I put it off and went back to bed. I feel like that's a fairly standard Saturday for you, isn't it? It's not far off, yeah. <laughs> So this episode is about Bart falling head over heels in love with Laura Powers, played by Sarah Gilbert. Yes. Sarah Gilbert is, of course, currently... Uh, Heading up that uh, that brand new TV show, The Connors, which, uh, you know, is a new thing that didn't exist before. Oh, is this the Roseanne spin-off? The Roseanne-less Roseanne? Oh, I don't know what you're talking about, Nick. Roseanne Barr uh, has never had a TV show, as far as I know. I think she... Oh, you're getting a phone call. I am, and I should probably take that. Okay. Right, next. So before you got uh, pulled off your phone call, I believe we were pretending Roseanne Barr doesn't exist. Um, who? Yes. Yeah, the Nazi. Fuck Roseanne Barr. Uh, um, yeah, Sarah Gilbert. A, yeah. Was Sarah Gilbert also in the Big Bang Theory? I, I have no way of knowing that. I reckon she was. I've never... I've only seen clips of the Big Bang Theory. Like, enough to know that I hate it. Sure. Never the full episode to like really confirm it sure. deep I've, in my heart. I've seen several episodes of The Big Bang Theory. What does that make me? Uh, a villain, I suppose. Uh. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, look, to our dear listeners who we love deeply, if you love The Big Bang Theory, you do you, girl. It's cool, but uh, not my thing. Not James's thing. Uh, unless Roseanne Barr is listening, in which case, fuck you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, God, what were we talking about? Uh, I like Bart's bubble pipe. Yeah. Cross that note off. <laughs> that was the whole comment you had on that? You just like it? Bubble pipe. Bubble pipe. Bart's un- Bart has an unwashed hand at one point in this episode yeah. uh, because uh, Laura spits in his hand. And as you know, if a, girl, if a woman spits on you, you know, you want to keep that area <laughs> unwashed for a while. Uh, yep. We're both sick men. Standard so, standard 10-year-old boy slash 32-year-old man behavior, yes. Yep, 32, the age that neither of us are. Oh, I'm, I'm close. <laughs> I've, been referring myself as, I've been referring to myself as a 32-year-old man for about six months, despite yes. still being six months away from being 32. Yes. Apparently, I really want to be 32. <laughs> I'm dead keen on being 32. Huh. There's a there's also a scene in this episode that implies that Bart has legitimately destroyed a woman with the uh, oh, babysitter. Yeah. The, the babysitter. Yeah, yeah I found that a bit troubling. Gently rocking back in a chair and saying, "Put it down, Bart. Bart, put it down." Yeah, that hits a little harder. Yeah, than I think they maybe anticipated um, the the idea that Bart has actually destroyed this woman's life and livelihood. Yeah, and, and she now lives as a, with a permanent carer. Being her sister. Yeah. Um, which means that not only has he ruined... I just realised I left the milk out from when I made the coffees like an hour and a half ago. It's pretty cold today. I think the milk's probably okay. Would what? you like me to put your milk in the fridge? What an odd thing for me to have done. I'm just going to quickly put my milk back in the fridge. Okay, well I've got a lot of notes here. So I'm just going to move through some notes yeah. that maybe aren't quite as important while you go and deal with your milk situation. Yeah. Uh, so let's see, what have we got here? Homer and Marge are very upset in this episode that Ruth Powers is single. That seems to really, uh, really bother them. And they establish this subplot that they abandon almost immediately, where Homer is meant to be trying to set Ruth up with someone, but that just sort of doesn't happen. You got back really quickly. I had no time to get through anything. Can I just say that being single is great, and I really hate when people do that kind of hand-on-shoulder sad eyes, like, oh, it's like, no, 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 I'm... I volunteer to be single. Yeah. Um, th- the idea of like, you know, maybe this is me being naive, but the idea that if I wasn't single, I have to spend my days arguing with my... I have to spend Saturday arguing with a loved one in a furniture shop. Not interested. <laughs> Jesus. That's my, that, that's my idea of what <laughs> being in a relationship that's is. That's your singular idea of... Uh, mm. Yeah, being single is good. Being in a relationship is good. All things are fine. Oh, yeah, I mean, I don't begrudge anyone for it. <laughs> you just spend a lot of time in furniture stores just tutting, your head, tutting and shaking your head. And... No, see, the great part about being single is I don't have to spend any time in furniture shops. <laughs> Where'd you get all this furniture then? We were just talking about your couch. From the internet. Actually, no, I, I did go into a furniture <laughs> shop to buy that couch. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> of course I did. But nearly everything else I own is from the internet. You don't want to trust the internet for furniture. You need to sit in a in a uh, couch before you purchase actually, it actually that's a good point you do yeah. need to sit you, you, you do yeah. there you go there, there's a practical takeaway tip for everyone <laughs> who lives in the Pozzinghead sit on a couch before you buy it sit on all furniture before you buy it <laughs> yeah what kind of, is there, there's furniture you don't sit on like don't sit on the coffee table don't go into a furniture store and just sit down on like a dining hall table and say eh, I don't know it would be weird to climb a bookcase and sit on the top of it yeah 
I would not recommend it personally, but that's just me. You know, I'm weird. I don't sit on bookcases. I really wanted you to say I would not recommend it per se. And I was going to be like, what is the implied alternate meaning behind that sentence? Anyway. Now, at one point, uh, they offer Ruth a pornographic videotape that says, Does but XXX. Does but. Don't want to talk about that yet because I've got a note for the next episode that's going to become relevant for us. So I'm just planting seeds here, Nick. Because, oh. you know... What they say is that, you know, somebody who's truly virtuous is somebody who plants seeds for the trees they'll never see grow. And I'm not quite going that far, because this seed is going to grow before this episode is out. I find it fascinating that you've used dust but and truly virtuous in the same paragraph. Yeah, well, you know. Well. It's um, just how I am. I find it remarkable that Laura Powers taught Snowball 2 how to waltz, and yet the takeaway that she has is that she taught Maggie how to waltz. Yes. Snowball 2 is a far more impressive waltz student. Yeah, there's a scene where Laura is looking after the kids. She's teaching them how to waltz. She teaches a cat how to waltz. She teaches a little boy how to waltz, a a baby. And then she taught the cat, uh, she taught Snowball 2 how to eat cake whilst interviewing a... Jewish person fleeing the Third Reich. She taught Snowball 2 how to Christoph waltz. That's a reference to Inglorious Bastards. The scene where he eats cake very loudly into the microphone. Jesus. Okay. Christoph waltz. <laughs> it was a long walk down a short pier. <laughs> a long waltz down a short pier. <laughs> Take this waltz and throw it away. <laughs> You know, we should really start doing some kind of appraisal about those bits and whether or not we keep them. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Uh, How old is Laura meant to be? Yeah, I don't know. Laura and Jimbo, I wonder, in this episode. It's very unclear to me. Yeah, I mean, if Bart's 10, Hmm. I always had Jimbo pictured as like 14, 15. I didn't picture it as like maybe 12, like just a little bit older than Bart. But still within like the same... The same grouping yeah, in the school. Like, Buzz, year so. four, I would take Jimbo to be maybe, like, year six. Yeah, okay. But then he rides a motorbike. Yeah. Like, that's a bold thing for a for a 12-year-old to do. Yeah, I know. Like, motorbike Mike, as far as I can tell, is much older than 12. I believe. Older than 14, probably. Yeah, possibly. We'll shout at him next time he goes past and ask how old he is. Motorbike Mike. Mike! Um, yes? Uh, how old are you? You know, the other day... 25. <laughs> Forty-five. Oh, I didn't. Wow. I didn't realize motorbike Mike had such a uh, an interesting voice. Forty-five. Um. Uh. Yep. I don't know. Ages. Whatever. Is, is, is the age of Jimbo ever properly? I don't think it is. I don't think so. The reason why I think he's older than twelve, though, the reason why I had pinned him as fourteen, fifteen, is that when they get, because he gets appointed as one of the the camp, crusty. Yeah. Um. Camp counselors, counselors, yeah. sure. The the leadery people, twelve years old seems a little bit too young for a leadership position over eight and ten year olds. But I could see fourteen and fifteen being a leadership. Okay, position you know how I was else. saying earlier that space is distorted in this episode. Yeah, as we're going to get into, I think time is as well. Well, because this is not the only weird age thing in this episode. Sure, if we got Jimbo, we got Laura. Uh, in dis- it's difficult to tell how old they are. Sure, later on. Uh, Bart asks his grandfather, uh, grandfather, 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 <laughs> grandfather. I guess that's like when you're a grandfather fascist. But um, uh, no, I'm anti-grandfather. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, yeah, he asks, "Were you ever in love with an older woman?" And he says, "I was in love with the oldest woman, yes. 120 years old." 
Yes. How old is Abe meant to be exactly? I don't know. Because Homer at this point in the series is somewhere between 36 and 38, depending on which source you read. Mm. I would pick Grand- Grandpa Simpson at like maybe 70. Yeah. Like, that seems like the maximum he could be. I would pick, so he was yeah. in love, and it's implied that this happened in the past. He's in love with a woman over 50 years older than him. Yeah, because you also see her... Uh, he has a photo of her um, being a midwife at the birth of UB Blake. Yes. So UB Blake, um, which I thought was like initials UB, but it's not. It's a nickname and it's E-U-B-I-E. I think his well, name Walla Walla Bing Bang, yep. <laughs> yep, perfect. Uh, he was an American composer and pianist. Yep. Uh, Specialising in ragtime and jazz. He was born 7th of February, 1887. Okay. So this woman was working as a midwife in 1887, which means she's probably 20, 25, 30. Let's Mm. say say 25. Let's take a median age of 25. Yes. So uh, that means she was born in 1862. Yeah. She was 120, so she lived to uh, 1982. Okay, which is about 10 years prior to this. 10 years prior to this. When so, was Abe in love with her? So this this means that Abe was falling in love with her when he was half her age. Yeah. Isn't that like... That's... Still within the half your age plus seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually outside of it. Outside of it. He'd have to be 67 yes. to be within that rule. Um, UB Blake composed Charleston Rag. Okay. And also composed the song, I'm Just Wild About Harry. <laughs> a song that I only know about. About Larry Ender, isn't it? Oh, no. I'm, uh, I was thinking Dr. Harry from Harry, ah. Harry's Practice. Oh, okay. I reckon they did a... I feel like every time oh. there was an Australian Harry, they would trot out that song. And put I'm it on just wild about Harry. Harry's wild about me. Um, I hope that's not a culturally insensitive voice. Uh, just a ragtime voice. It's, 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 it's just a ragtime voice. Yeah, yeah cool. Um, so anyway, that's that's UB Blake, and <laughs> and through that we can see that Abe was in love with because then he says to impress her, I wore a ten pound beard of bees, and he mm. shows a photo of him with the beard of bees where he looks exactly the same age as he is when he's telling the story. Yeah, it, it is seems not like a, it happened just the other day. It is not a considerably younger photo. No, which may but it has to have been at least ten years prior because she. Um, uh, she would have been 19... It would have been 1982 when she was 120. Mm. Um, it's it's kind it's of baffling, really. very strange. Mm. Time, ages have just gone out the window for this episode. Doesn't make any sense anymore. No. What a what a strange series of things. And then, should we, just, yet, should we dive into this whole spatial issue while we're at this? And yet, not only does time not make any sense, but I think with someone that has an inkling of this and it's Bart... Because what does he give Grandpa as his... as? Because it's Grandpa's birthday when Bart goes to visit. Is it Grandpa's birthday? Who knows? Time doesn't make any sense anymore. Yeah. But what does Bart give? He gives a bus schedule. What does that do? It brings you back to thinking about time. Yes. It locks you into time. But what are buses? Fucking variable as all hell when it yeah. comes to bus time. They are, they are the grand metaphor for time not making sense. They and, are. Yeah. Because it might say... Bus will arrive at 10.05, and then you get to 10.15, and you're like, where's the bus? Yeah, exactly. Bus schedules schedules are actually a perfect metaphor for time no longer being linear or making sense. And then if we get in, let's get into spatiality, because that's the other major thing in this episode. First of all, the the house next door, 
Uh, it seems like every window points to a different part of the Simpsons house yep. in a way that makes no sense. Uh, unless the Simpsons house is the hole in the middle of their neighbor's house's donut house. Yeah, that's that's, that, that's the that's only how it way. Operates. That's the only way that the the thing could make sense. Like the mm. neighbor's house is an Ouroboros. Yeah, um, and in the middle of the Ouroboros is the Simpsons house. So this is meant to indicate to us that the spatial geography of Springfield is breaking down. You know what which... the neighbor's house is? It's a flat circle. And in <laughs> holy the mi- fuck, in the middle of that is the Simpsons house. It is also donut shaped, which uh, is I think a torus is the name for that shape. The the flat circle donut universe. <laughs> I think it's called a Taurus. And you, you know, it also kind of looks like an omelette to me, frankly. It ki- I, I mean, it kind of does look like an omelette. This sketch I've done is not a very to-scale thing. It actually looks like... The sketch I've done kind of looks like the yolk sitting in the middle of a very neat white. But anyway. So we need to jump forward a little bit to when Homer tries to well, sue... Uh, luckily, we can jump forward. Do you know why, James? Because time doesn't make any sense in the That's That's very true. We need to jump forward to when Homer goes to see Lionel Hutz to sue... Uh, the fisherman man, I forget his name, Captain, Captain McAllister. Captain McAllister. I think might just be the sea captain at this point in the show, but he goes there and we get this external shot of the mall uh, where we see the law firm. And we were both commenting that the geography of this area was a little weird. Yes. It kind of looked like an MC Escher sort of thing where yeah. there were overlapping like structures that would come down from one side of the mall and land on the other. It was just like, yeah. we chalked it up to just a weird drawing style, but then... The structure of the yogurt nook yes. next to, I can't believe it's a law firm. The structure of the yogurt nook makes no sense. Yeah, it kind it's of looked structure- like there was a support beam that was... O- over the other side of a walkway. It's yes. a structurally unsound nook. Yes. And we chalked this up as well. It's just a bit of a strange drawing. But then we get to the next scene where Homer is inside the lawyer's office, which has been situated inside a mall. Mm. In the middle of a mall, it seems, because we're seeing there's one of those like open partitions on the second level where you can see down to the level below. Yes. Which indicates to me we're not like on the fringes of this mall here. We're not on an external facing wall. And yet, out this window, we can see like the tops of skyscrapers, basically. So, the, the geography of this, I can't believe it's a law firm, is between two other shops yes so that takes out two walls as being not possible to be external yes we've got the front of the shop that can't be external because we're seeing it inside the shopping center down the left hand side of the yogurt nook which is on the left hand side of i can't believe it's not a law firm Mm. we have a, a walkway that clearly continues uh down behind unless this is a very odd l shaped building which it could be but i don't think it is then, yeah, the the only wall which could be external is, in my humble submissions, not. Now, if we think back to some other episodes we've done recently, what's another example of a building with an impossible geography that we've seen recently in an episode of Pods in the Key of Springfield? I feel like you're leading me down something that I should have been aware of. No, that's okay. It's uh, I was making a bit of a reach there, but... Uh... What's a movie we watched recently? Oh, The Shining. The Shining. Set within the Overlook, a hotel that, if you watch the documentary Room 237, explains has an impossible geography I see. that doesn't quite make sense. And the, the maze keeps changing. Yeah. And, you know, we see... And what do we learn right at the end of The Shining? Oh, um, that time no longer makes sense. That time no longer makes sense. Yeah. Because Jack Nicholson always is and always has been and always will continue to be. In an ending which I think they lingered on for too long. And but. I think it's a brilliant <laughs> way to end the movie. So, 
Okay, so we've got all of that. We've got time coming apart. We've got spatial geography sort of coming in on itself. Like, in the background of this episode, everything is really just collapsing. Mm. And then, look, this is a little tenuous, I'll admit. A little bit of a tenuous link, unlike all that other stuff we just said, but a little bit of a tenuous link. I reckon when, we could change this name to Pods in the Keith Brickfield. It's a little bit tenuous, <laughs> I'll admit. When, uh, when Jimbo arrives at the Simpsons house after... After Laura has very strangely called Bart into the treehouse to tell him that she has a boyfriend now, which is a very weird scene. It kind of reminds yes. me of uh, me calling you into your own house to talk to you during that uh, the Alex Goldman episode. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's a very weird thing. What does what does Jimbo say when he arrives? Do you remember? Dr. Tung is here? Dr. Tung has arrived. Dr. Tung has arrived. Now, is this meant to indicate to us that there is maybe... Maybe one doctor, maybe a cabal of doctors working behind the scenes in Springfield. Oh. I mean, we've got Monroe in his Monroe box. We've got Colossus, of course, and everything he's been getting up to. Hang on. And this could also explain why. If Doctor... So if if Jimbo is actually one of Dr. Colossus's evil henchmen... Yep. Maybe that explains why he is both 12, 13, 14 years old and able to ride a motorbike. Because perhaps, like Colossus, he is eternal because time no longer makes any sense. Yeah. Fuck. Yes. Hang on. I'm just gonna do. I'm, I'm gonna go out on a very broad Google search limb and see if this word has any meaning. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm just gonna check my notes. What have I got on this next page? Uh, I'm just gonna talk about a few things here yep. uh, while you're googling. I'm doing something that's very, very bizarre. Okay. All this stuff with Mo is uh, pretty interesting. Pretty strange. Mo. Uh, gets a prank call and he runs to the Simpsons house with a rusty knife to cut Jimbo. He's planning on cutting a child. One thing that really hit me here is that Mo, he arrives at the Simpsons house, he leans up against the window, he fucks it in a weird way. Uh, Mo has been to this house before. He knows where Homer lives. Yeah. It's strange that it doesn't click with him. That's a really good point. That Jimbo is in Homer's house. He was there for the... We've seen the... The, the boxing match. The boxing match. Yeah. The fight. We're there, yeah. we're there, he was there for the fight. He's been yeah. there on other occasions. Yeah, they're friends. Yeah, why doesn't he click that that's Homer's house? It's very odd. Also... I feel like Jimbo gets a bit hard done by in the ending of this. Ah, 100%, yes. It is a very reasonable reaction to burst into tears if a strange man bursts into the house you are staying in, not even your house, and starts threatening you with a rusty, dull knife. And, and, and delivers what I have described as an apparently legitimate death threat. Jimbo has <laughs> yeah. no reason to question this death yeah. threat. Of course you're going to drop to the ground and say, please don't kill me. Yeah, that's and then, your outlaw? Well, and then, he doesn't want to die. He's a boy uh, of indeterminate age. <laughs> yeah. And so that brings me back to this. Yes. My longest of possible bows. So Good. I considered um, homophones for tongue. Because yes. obviously Jimbo, we think it means Dr. Tongue, T-O-N-G-U-E, as in kissing. Yes. But I thought, what about T-U-N-G? T-U-N... Oh, like tungsten? No. <laughs> Tongue oil is a drying oil obtained by pressing the seed from the nut of the tongue tree. Tongue oil is used mostly for finishing and protecting wood because after numerous coats, it develops a plastic resin-like coating. 
tongue is used to preserve the age of things. We are talking about a theory in which mm. we've decided that time no longer makes any sense and that Jimbo is inherently <laughs> ageless. Okay. And he's using Dr. Tongue, which I take to mean T-U-N-G, Ooh. which is a reference to the process through which he is preserving things to maintain their age and status as a, at a certain point in time. Okay, something I'd like to propose at this point is sure. that this episode came out... Around 1992, 93, I think, probably. Sure. The Summer of Love. Yeah, this is around the same point, or maybe a little before uh, Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me came out. Oh, now, in Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, there's a scene where uh, we, re- we meet Philip Jeffries, played by David Bowie. He walks into the FBI. Uh, Carl McLaughlin's character has just uh, said his whole, I had this weird dream. Philip Jeffries was in it. Some shit's about to happen. Now, in this scene, time and space start to collapse in each other. He's uh, Cooper is watching himself on a security camera. He sees himself in a room he's not meant to be in, and then Philip Jeffries walks in. Philip Jeffries says to uh, Gordon Cole... I'm not here to talk about Judy. No, we're not going to talk about her at all. We're going to leave her right out of it. And then that seems weird. He disappears into another space. It turns out he was never there at all, right? So time, space, all of this collapsing. And for 25 years, Twin Peaks fans are watching this saying, what the fuck was any of that? That is very strange. I've got no idea. We later find out that when we heard Judy, that was a misnomer. What we were meant to hear was Jiao Day. It was a different interpretation of the name. That was the problem all along. We all heard Judy, but it was actually Jade. We've heard Tongue. It's meant to be a, a different tongue? form of Tongue. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's not Sneaky a Peaks <laughs> ties into all of this. All of this is actually about Twin Peaks. Maybe it's Dr. Jacoby is involved in this. Who knows? I'm going to say... Sneaky Peaks. I'm going to say, not only is that link tenuous, it's tonguous. To me, it's 10 out of 10 years. <laughs> We're like the dreamer. Dreams. And then lives inside the dream. Sanehi Beach. So, um, yeah, good episode. Fun. Yeah, it's, it's a good, fun episode of The Simpsons. A lot of good jokes. <laughs> Mr. Plow. <laughs> Mr. Plow. Uh, my first note is pornography store. Pornography store? I was buying pornography. Very good delivery on My that. first note is also about pornography. Um, in, in relation to the pornography store? No, different uh, pornography oh, reference, oh, which God. will make it the third pornography reference of this episode of Pods in the key of Springfield. Springfield. Uh, when Troy McClure is doing his little thing at the start, he mentions the erotic oh. adventures of Hercules. Mm, we see that later on, don't we? Yes. This yeah. is my question. Is this the first time... We've seen Troy McClure mention a movie that we actually get to see part of. Ooh, you know, because he always says, you might remember me from such films as. And I feel like those titles always just go nowhere. But this time, this is a movie we actually see. We see in a callback. That's yeah. interesting. I'm going to I'm gonna say, without having done any research, that yes, it is the first time that that's the case. Yeah. Very interesting. I also feel like Mr. Plow, we probably don't need to explain the plot of this one oh, even so. in a cursory way as we nah. usually do. Uh, this this is another one where it's just joke after joke after joke after joke. Uh, wild pacing. My note for that is this episode is ballistic. It is ballistic. Mm. Early on, we see Krusty the Clown. 
He's having, there's a movie being made about Cross of the Clan. He explains moments before Lions maul him. He says Jimmy Smits is going to play him. That is fucking wild casting. <laughs> Jimmy Smits is Cross of the Clown. I don't know about that. I don't know who Jimmy Smits is. Okay, well, he's great. Oh, We're pro Schmitz on this uh, podcast. Is still is, a bit from another podcast. Is there anything that I would know Jimmy Smits from? Uh, he was in The West Wing. Okay, yes. He was in the Star Wars prequels. The West Wing is uh, Aaron Sorkin's documentary about walking while talking. Yes, exactly. Uh, the Star Wars prequels are George Lucas's documentary about how to enrage and disenfranchise a seri- uh, uh, an entire legion of fans. Yeah, and about how he hates sand because it gets everywhere. Uh, he was in Dexter Season 3 playing uh, the bad guy. Oh yes, the bad guy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, as opposed to Dexter, I guess was the good guy on that show. Dexter's kind of fucked morally when you, mm. you know, because that show there was a, you know, because he was the hero and a serial killer, wasn't he? Yeah, for yeah. a long time it seemed like the show was conflicted about that, and then in the last like few seasons, like, nah, fuck it, he's just a good guy. Huh? Dexter was kind of garbage in the end, but season three was pretty bad actually. Season four though, with John Lithgow, who was not even mentioned in this episode oh, John of The Simpsons. Good season of television. I like the way you say he was not even mentioned in this episode of The Simpsons, as though in most other Simpsons episodes he is referenced. <laughs> yeah, he's like a background figure in the, uh, etc. Uh, hmm. I've got a lot of notes here, and I feel like we've already been talking for a long time, so I might have to truncate some of the things I would have said about Mr. Plough, but that's fine. Uh, um, there's gonna, a few... Uh, yes. Sorry. Yep, there's a go. few... There's a few Simpsons ruined my life moments in this one. I feel like that's a segment we haven't come back to for a while. Yeah, we should really do a review of all these ongoing segments. <laughs> do I have to point you to one of the items on the list? <laughs> People will get that eventually. Uh, there's a bit where Ricardo Multiban, is that how his name is pronounced? He gets hit by a knife off screen, essentially, yes. I think is the thing. And the person who threw it, I forget who it is, but they say, Sorry, Ricardo. That is a thing that uh, my friend Matt and I used to say to each other a lot. Oh, Sorry, Ricardo. Good. It was just uh, good. Like not even during an apology. Just... I, was, I was about to say, was it ju- was it in lieu of a serious? Apology? No, it was apropos of nothing. It was a- just apropos. Uh, yeah, excellent. Just uh, random. Sorry, Ricardo is being thrown in there. Mm. Sorry, Ricardo, cousin of Ricky Ricardo from the I Love Lucy show. Sure. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, in this episode... I wonder if Ricky Ricardo is related to Formula One driver Daniel Ricardo. I'm going to say, probably not. Should we get Daniel Ricardo on the show and ask him? I'd love to get Daniel Ricardo on the show. Okay, well... I don't pay as much attention to Formula One as I used to, but I like... Well, 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 Nick, can you, can you do a reasonable impression of him so we can pretend that he's on the show, do you think? Of, he, of Daniel Ricardo. Yeah, can you do a, a Daniel Ricardo? I'll cut this bit out, I'll cut this bit out. But can <clears> you do an impression of him and we'll just pretend that you've done... That it's him. The The problem with Daniel Ricciardo is that he just sounds like a friendly Australian male. Okay. Well, and I, I have no capacity to sound like a friendly Australian male. Okay, okay. Well, that's well. I was just going to ask you if... I, I forget what the question was even going to be. We've been recording for a while. I'm We're starting, starting to go a little stir-crazy. Yeah, and also the last thing I did before recording was put the heater on on an hour-long timer. <laughs> and I actually think it's slightly too warm in here now. <laughs> which is not helping. So Homer, at the start, he's driving home through the snow. Yes. And he crashes his car into Marge's car. Yes. And we had a few comments on this uh, while we were watching it, but the main takeaway from this for me is that Homer really severely wrecks these cars. Yeah, he, he must have been going fast. And also... 
we see him driving along a street and mm. it's very clear that it's a street and then he turns left into the driveway but we don't see that happening we just no. see him go right at the back end of the car and that would have to be to be traveling fast enough to do that much damage right after a turn into a driveway mm. He must have basically just slammed on, like, gone into a power slide, essentially. Yeah, he must have done some real um, Mario Kart This stuff. is some Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift shit that he's pulling off here. Fast, Tokyo Snow Drift, if you will. and the Furious. Yeah. Are you familiar with that film franchise? You know, one of the things that always annoyed me about that is that all the cars in that are extremely high-performance cars. High-performance cars run on a very specific type of fuel, and it's not diesel. <laughs> what you think they should have recast Vin Diesel's character they should have called him Vin Petrol okay they I... should have called him Vin I'm trying to think of the what's the race fuel called like just I know you're doing a bit here but I just want to clarify you're aware that Vin Diesel is the name of the actor not the character right what <laughs> yeah I know it's the name. I know it's the name of the <laughs> they're just it seems plausible that maybe you didn't know that. What are you googling right they, now? They sh- oh, I'm, I'm just trying to think that there's a specific term based on racing fuel, and I can't remember what it is. It, that they should have, they should have changed. He should have been forced, forced to legally change his name to Vin High Octane Petrol <laughs> instead of Vin Diesel. It's not a movie about tractors. Yeah, but then maybe he wouldn't be able to say, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Maybe he'd have greater fuel efficiency. They'd have to change the line. Yeah, but as it currently stands, with the name Vin Diesel, he'd have to say, I live my life one paddock at a time. (laughs) Because he's driving a tractor. Well, that's why they named his character Toretto. Is that that Spanish for tractor? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I'm going to assume it is. What's the point in checking? Um... Barney in the nappy on the street. Yep. It's snowing for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> like that is absurd that he's wearing that little on the street. You're cutting right past Put It In H Guy, which I assumed oh. you would have a note about. Yeah, it's weird because I, I love the Put It In H Guy. I love Put crazy, It In H. Yeah. I love Crazy Vaclav. But there's, it's also one of those things where I, I skipped past it because even though I have a deep love for it, I think it's been memefied enough that I... That, that I am now consciously rejecting it. Well, the interesting thing for me in that scene, I don't think I've ever noticed this before watching this episode, but this time, paying attention, sitting here with my little notebook, I noticed that the car has a fly motif. I noticed that too for the yeah. first ever time. Yeah, I'd never really taken like, that in before. The... There's one on the steering wheel and there's one on the grill of the car. Yeah, the the hood ornament, if you will, Yes, is like a, a, a silver fly. Yeah. It's very... Odd. Which is a... I like that how as a it, weird piece of design how, logic. How is it that you and I both noticed that today for the first ever time? Because we're watching it for a podcast. It's a different sort of energy when you're watching intently, I think. I suppose that's correct, yes. Yeah, because I feel like if I'm was, if i watching an episode like this just regularly in my everyday life, having seen it fucking a million times, mm. I'm not expecting to see new things. I'm not looking out for like bullshit to talk about. Sure. So yeah. that's the kind of thing that passes you by. Fly. The it's other the thing passes, is... It's the kind of thing that passes you fly. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's good. That's good. That's solid. Uh, no need to workshop it. I think we can just send that one out. Uh, okay. When Homer goes to the car show... You sure it doesn't bug you? When Homer goes to the car show... Yes. 
when, uh, but you know, when he says to himself, now you can go to the car show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like we were both, we turned to each other and were kind of astonished by how many jokes they managed to cram into this segment. Mm, it was, it's, it's, yeah. um, it's an absolute rapid fire assault. Yeah. Between the, do you come with the car and the, mm-hmm. all the other shit, like, uh, the fourth Reich Motors one has always stuck with me because it is so unsubtle. Oh, <laughs> Just yeah. that, like, the Nazis have established a car company, a car company. and uh, are killing people <laughs> mm. dressed up as crash test dummies. Live crash test dummies. This is another Simpsons ruined my life moment between me and my friend Matt because not only would we say sorry, Ricardo, a lot. We would also say this exhibit is closed That's very cool. often. I'm I'm starting to become quite pleased that you decided to do this podcast with me and not Matt. <laughs> to be honest, um, yeah, this exhibit is closed. Very good. Yeah, and uh, well, he just didn't own the recording equipment. That was the main appeal of you. Uh, You're also my good friend. Hey, Matt. <laughs> the, the thing I find uh, the thing I really enjoy about the Fourth Rock Motors is. Um, you know, they had the opportunity to edit that footage. Yeah. <laughs> they wanted to get caught. <laughs> yeah. Damn fourth Reich. Well, maybe they just recorded it that morning and just oh, nobody's possibly. gone over well, it. Maybe it's live. Maybe what they don't tag <laughs> is that it's live footage of cars being crashed. That sounds about Reich. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Adam West is in this episode. Sure. He's great. I don't know if there's really that much to dig into. He's just, he's very good. He's Adam West. He fucking rules. Um, Adam West doing weird Adam West before Family Guy took full proprietary rights of him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's the uh, the jokes that Adam West didn't reject that didn't make Adam West the best at a certain point. But it's, yes, that is a reference to the local tuna brand, John West. I don't think John West is local. I reckon, I reckon John West is a global tuna brand. Are they? That's what I'm Were those put- ads global though? I'm putting my chips on. I would imagine so. Putting your chips on tuna? Do you ever think about um, uh, <laughs> ads from a long time ago? Like, remember the ad for Ocean Spray, the, the cranberry drink? Yes, kind yeah. of. And it was just like some grizzled old farmer standing in leather waders, like those overalls that go from the waist down, in the middle of like a huge tank that was full of water and cranberries. <laughs> I think about that guy often and go, how did he get there? What's he doing now? What's, what's he doing now? Where's the cranny, granny? I'm just going to different number one different... on the list, but I'm not going to do it. What was, what was number one on the list? Asking, oh, asking, yeah, okay. Um, Instead, uh, I've just done number nine on the list, the list that we have not explained yet. Uh, stick around at the end of the episode for a little bonus, essentially a bonus episode. Fuck. If, if you can be bothered. <laughs> Please do. Okay, so one thing that really struck me in this episode, I feel like this is a thing The Simpsons did often, but this early on, it was a bit weird for them to be doing it. Homer gets this plow, and he starts working as Mr. Plow. Mm. Sort of ignores the fact... That he has a job? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, he just seems to stop going to work. I guess the I guess the curious thing is that with ploughing, and now Adelaide, the town in which you and I live, is traditionally not a snow town. 
There is a city north of Adelaide called Snowtown. That is true, yeah. Um, uh, hello to Karen and Georgia from My Favourite Murder. Um, oh, I'm sure are listening. Uh, I'm positive about If they that. come to Adelaide, they have to do Snowtown, right? Surely. Yeah. Or maybe, I think they are. Like, they said they're going to come next time they're in town. Yeah. Maybe they will also do the... And by next um, time they're in town, I mean in Australia, of course. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I've forgotten the victim's name, which is not good. Um, Anna, Anna, someone, the woman that was killed in the bath filled with acid. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe they'll do that one as well. Um, I was thinking about writing a hometown to them the other day about the one. Do you remember the the collar bomb hoax in Sydney? Yeah, kind Maddie of. Pulver. Yeah, yeah, it rings a bell. Yeah, uh, year twelve schoolgirl that had someone broke into her house, strapped a device around her neck, said it was a bomb, mm. asked for, and it turned out to not be a bomb. But she sat in her house with this thing around her neck for eight hours while. Bomb Squad police tried to figure out how to remove it without exploding it. Yeah. That's terrifying. Anyway, um, what was I going to say about home? Oh, the, the, so Adelaide is not a town in which it snows. I was talking to my Uber driver last night about, he asked if it snows here. Mm. And I reckon about 12 or 13 years ago, there was some snow in the Adelaide Hills. Yeah. And like news crews fucking hooned up there as quickly as they could to get footage of a tiny amount of snow on a street in Adelaide. Yep. But I imagine that ploughing, in the Mr. Plough, Plough King sense, is something that you could do in the mornings on the way to work. We see Homer doing a, a run in front of the school bus. We see him getting out of bed at seven and to find that Barney has already ploughed all the driveways. Yeah. I think it is feasible that he could be working as a ploughman Eating Plowman's lunch. Yes, exactly. Yeah, cheese and pickled onions. Yeah, I might buy some pickled onions. I'm really hungry. <laughs> um, uh, I think it's conceivable that he could be doing that. Oh, we should have. We should have. Fucking. We should have got a Plowman's lunch. Then we're gonna sat here eating a Plowman's lunch. Yeah, that's what the people podcast. enjoy. <laughs> and, podcast, the sound of people eating onions. And also, we're sitting a meter away from each other, facing each other to talk into this microphone. It yeah. would be abominable if we had a proper funky cheddar and some. Um, <laughs> And some pickled onions. Proper funky cheddar. Are you a fan of pickled onions? <laughs> no. Oh. I'm not a big onion guy in general. I'm not a big I'm, onion guy. Yeah. Oh, to me, onion is like an ingredient. It's not a thing you... I'm not a, a Tony Abbott-like onion eater. <laughs> just chomping into them. I'm getting another phone call. Okay. Sorry. Alright, so we just, um, we just got interrupted by another phone call. And while you were call. While you were taking that call, I went to the kitchen to get myself a glass of water. Sure. Couldn't help but notice that in the kitchen, on the counter, you have two cans of John West tuna. I do, actually, yeah. yeah. I think it's all, I don't know, I feel like... That's curious. I feel like I saw that, I'm like, have I been the subject of some sort of subtle manipulation? Mm. But well, probably not. You know, this is a Monroe box. <laughs> it is? It's not. I've electrified... Is that why there's no basement? <laughs> I've electrified the floor. I haven't done any of that. I was wondering why I was getting shocked frequently, and I think that's just because I'm susceptible to uh, to easy surprises and confusion. God, I'm I'm getting worn out. Let's uh, let's keep going with the episode of Pods and right. Key. Stop punching the table. It's of Springfield being picked up by the microphone. I like that uh, the um, the 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 ad for Sea Shanties by Captain McAllister. Mm. Um, uh, features a well, we don't hear the song, but the, in the titles of the sea shanties, we see the flogging song. Yeah, I like that. The ad that you're referring to, it's initially an ad for the all-you-can-eat seafood restaurant 
that no 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 no, it's no it is and it's no. just a, what is that an ad for it, so lisa says oh look you can buy uh, yeah, just, cheap commercial time on channel 92 and then we flick to it and it's captain McAllister talking about oh, his i'm conflating the two ads in my head because i was thinking of the ad in the previous episode also oh. for ed where he says be you requiring more iced tea yes which is wonderful so yeah this is just a shanty one but there's which that... and there's weird crossovers within this ad with this and the previous episode yeah well the... for a start it's two episodes of the Simpsons in a row where we see Captain McAllister doing ads on TV. Yes. One of them is presented as being a shit ad on a cheap channel, whereas the other is being is just a general normal TV ad. Yeah. That's curious. For his like side hustle. For his side hustle. And then uh when they have the list of like the shanties that are on this album that the Captain McAllister is putting out, one of them is Love Love Theme from Dust Boat. Mm. Now this is weird because it's a it's mixing together the love theme from The Love Boat. Yes. And Dust Boot. Yeah. A movie that was just fucking referenced in the previous episode. Dust Butt. And I, I, it's referenced maybe once, apart from this in the entire run of the series. Maybe twice. I don't. I haven't seen the movie. I don't know. Dust Butt. Specifically. Bus. Yeah, there's Dust Butt as a later episode. And yes. then there's Simpsons Tide, which is a submarine episode. Oh, yeah. So I assume there must be some references to Dust Boot in there somewhere. Yes. But it is strange to have two in a row like that. Mm. I enjoy the um, the red wine sipping, pink apparel clad couple that sit and listen to the sea shanties. Yeah, in front of their very nineties hi fi system. Is one of them in the navy, or am I imagining that in the navy? It is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, There's. I believe he sings "Row, Row, Row Your Boat." Yep. uh, Blow the man down, and then in the navy. Yeah. And also. The thing I enjoy about that is that it's um, uh, he presents it as a compilation album of all your favourite sea shanties. He doesn't actually say, oh, and I sing them all. No. Um, and then it turns out that he's singing them all. It's tremendous. It's a tremendous little bit. Now, the reason they play this ad is so that Homer can get the idea to run an ad himself on community TV. Mm. And he's tried some other marketing strategies for his Mr. Plow business. And this got me thinking, what can we podcasters, uh, James and Nick, Mm. learn about marketing from this episode of uh, The Simpsons. Can't wait to find out. Because I feel like we need to get a little better at marketing our podcast. For instance, I'm pretty sure by the time this episode hits, we will have joined a network that I have not mentioned even once in this episode so far. Oh, sure. So, you know, there's marketing we could be doing, but I'm thinking... And I, what can we, and I don't even remember the name of that network. A lot of green it is. But, oh, uh, yes, so cool. what can we learn from this? So we've got... He's handing out flyers... Yes. A while ago, I printed out a lot of business cards and yep. uh, had like grand plans for what to do with them and just have done none of that, really. Yes, done none of it. Uh, at one point, he goes to church and he mentions it. I'm thinking, should we become religious maybe to market our podcast? I'd rather not. Should we join a cult maybe? Uh, and then like take over the cult and I don't know, do something with that? Still, uh, yes. still zero views on my real Melvin shirt. Ah, uh, yes. That on, was another thing we tried to market on the podcast. On trying the podcast. To sell merch. Uh, that episode's been out for almost a week, and apparently no <laughs> one has looked at the shirt that we were trying to hock in it. Thanks, guys. Much appreciated. Maybe if I was religious, this would be a different story. Now, we could run a we could run a commercial on community television. I'm sure that'll bring in people, and, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Is, it, is it just going to be you and me doing our Yogi and Boo Boo impressions? <laughs> And then we'll get sued by Hannah Barbera. Yeah. Get sued by Mr. and Mrs. Hannah and Barbera. Yeah. Those were the two people. It was it was uh, Michael Hannah and Melissa Barbera. Sure. Yeah. Maybe. 
Uh, and the other thing he tries, which seems pretty effective, is just being pretty good at his job. Oh, we definitely can't get... Yeah, that seems like a lot of that. effort, frankly. We definitely can't do that. He also has a nice jacket. Should we get nice jackets and get, like, pots in the key of Springfield written on the back of them? Yeah. So we can walk around and then, like, our wives will be more into us um, if we had them. Redbubble does zip-up hoodies. I could put our real Melvin design onto a zip-up hoodie. That, I mean, that's almost <laughs> like a, getting a print on a jacket. In a way. Yeah. I, uh... I really like, speaking of the jacket... Clothes in the Key of Springfield is what I've decided that fashion line is going to be called. Yeah, sure, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, I like, and this is, you know how I have like this ongoing thing where I really like it, where it's implied that Marge and Homer have like a like a good active sex life? Yeah. I really like the little touch of Marge being kind of turned on by the jacket. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, put the jacket on. It's nice... And I like that occasionally Homer, who is like a weird blob man, gets to be sexy in a mm. weird way. I think I've said that before, it but I good. like it. It is good. It's good. I give it a thumbs up. Oh. Ah. I didn't know we were doing a rating system for the Homer Marge. I mean, I could, I could maybe maybe bring in a second thumb. And, and what are you going to do with that thumbs one? Up. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Man, that's 100% of your thumbs. Yeah. That's every single thumb I had. That's interesting, because if someone gives me... One thumb up. At no point do I think, hmm, 50% rating. Hmm, not very no. good. And yet, two thumbs up, you're going to put 100%. Oh, That's really interesting. Well, I feel like one thumb up is like a 90%, and the other's like the little bump up is, you know... Like, the one thumb is an enthusiastic consent of what you've just done. Are you saying that the thumb ranking scale is logarithmic? And, <laughs> yeah. As opposed to linear. Okay, so you've got... That's weird. I feel like you got one thumb is one about thumb. 90. Sure. Two thumbs is 100. Sure. Doing the little wavy hand gesture, that's like a 50. Right. Is this an... Is, is, are we in danger of being ableist with this logarithmic thumb scale? What if there's someone I mean, who's missing thumbs? I mean, I wouldn't recommend it as like a scale that should be adopted and widespread. Okay, sure, sure, sure. So it's more of a shorthand method of immediately communicating like a high level. I don't know, using the a phrase mid level or a low level. I feel like using the phrase shorthand when we're talking about people who may be missing digits from their hand is a little bit. Well, we weren't talking James. about people who are missing digits until you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little rascal. <laughs> Did I do that? <laughs> anyway. Huh. It's um, uh, Steve Snorkel. <laughs> yeah, Steve Snorkel. <laughs> so another one of our characters. <laughs> yeah. He's like Scuba Steve, but like Steve Urkel with a snorkel. He's an underwater Steve Urkel. Steve Snorkel. Sure. <laughs> Just diving out of the ocean <laughs> in the middle of, Hi, I'm Steve Snorkel, and I buy all my rugs and rugs for less. <laughs> what? I know, he's like an advertising what? figure. Why do the rug... You know there's a shop called Rugs for Less. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the thing with rugs is if you just make up any rug name, that place will exist. Uh, um, so if I was to say, you put me on the spot, I've got to think of a funny pun rug name. Where the rug rats? No, that's not a good rug name. It's not unusual to be rugged by anyone. <laughs> that's awful. <laughs> <laughs> um... What about, um, <laughs> fuck. Oh, God, no, I've legitimately got nothing. Let's not cut go out. down a rug-related riffing route. Cut out all of this. <laughs> this whole episode. Stephen! Ah, <laughs> uh, the, um, okay, eventually, eventually Barney adopts the persona of the Plow King and becomes the, uh, 
you know, the number one plough guy in the area. He sort of, yeah. you know, usurps the throne, if you will. Oh. And he he makes that ad where he's beating the cutout of Homer with yep. the bat, and I really like the joke of them pulling him off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> pulling him off and beating the... Fa- Jesus, there's no good way of... Ah. There's no way of expressing this that doesn't make it sound like Barney was, uh, you know, jacking it. Yeah. Jacketing it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... And then Linda Ronstadt Linda Ronstadt pops up. And I don't know who she is. One thing I was thinking is, I really like the Mr. Plough song. I really like the Spanish version. Uh, we've been talking you about mean, like you mean you mean the the Plow King the Plow King song? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you said Mr. Plow. Did I? Yeah, that's because my mind no longer works. I'm just making sure. Yeah, we've we've been talking about like we wanted to try to reach out to like some musicians and like get some covers of some of these songs and put sure. them in our episodes. So yeah. if anyone out there would like to send us a recording of uh, them performing the Plow King theme. Uh, our email address is pods in the key of springfield at gmail.com. Uh, we can't offer any compensation, but if you feel like doing it. Just to be clear, is, are you setting me up for a weird thing now where you're going to ask me to do a Spanish version at the end of the episode? No. Good, because I didn't want to do that. <laughs> Don't worry. Well, maybe I do. Senor Plow, no es macho. Something borracho. Eduardo Carroccio. Crossover Universe, Seinfeld. In this episode, we Simpson. find out uh, Barney's origin story, where Homer walks in. And Simsfeld. He, Simsfeld, yeah. But Barney Barney becomes an alcoholic because Homer introduces him to beer. Yes. There's and, something... And Barney's metamorphosis is, is, I believe, a reference to the film Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, that makes sense. According to the... I had a brief look at the Wikipedia article to check hmm. something... Uh, to, to check a weird Kent Brockman scene. Yeah. Turns out this episode is packed with like 10 different references that last for less than two seconds. It's As really... It's like every episode this season, I think, and it's yeah. all over the place. Yeah, yeah, ballistic. Bebopping and skang all over the place. Yeah, a billion with a B. So Barney's origin story strikes me as kind of genuinely tragic in this episode, that he becomes mm. an alcoholic mm. right before taking what seems to be his final test that will get him into college. Yes. And his whole life collapses. Yes. He takes it all, throws, throws it, away. it away. Yes. Throw it away like so many crumpled beer cans. Yeah. It is quite tragic, actually. Yeah. 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 It's like, and with the previous episode, the, you know, the old woman who's been ruined by Bart, there's a bit of a tragic sort of uh, bent there to is. some of the episodes in this season. You know, previously in uh, earlier episodes of The Simpsons, we ha- it has been focused more on the Economic crisis. The economic downturn. Now, now we're seeing more of the social crisis that The Simpsons has caused or related the to. The societal crisis. The societal crisis. Uh, I'm looking at my notes. I've written out all the lyrics to the Mr. Plow rap, and I'm not sure why or what I intended to do with them. Shouldn't have done that. Um, the second commercial that Homer does... Well, yeah. sorry, the second commercial for Mr. Plow... Yeah. When it gets to... And it's one that's all very artsy. Yeah. Gets to the end of it, and Lisa said, was that your commercial? And Homer says, I don't know. Surely, Homer approached the ad agency and said, I want you to make me an ad. Yeah. And they made the ad and got put on TV for Homer's business. Surely he'd seen the ad and approved it at some point. I mean, to me, it seems like the turnover for that ad is very fast. Yeah. Because that's a fairly complicated ad. The uh, He would have had to pay a lot for it. I imagine it's, so. Uh, fairly complicated. We and find out that plowing is a very uh, you make a lot of money doing it. Obviously, since Barney's giving fifty thousand dollars checks to the uh, to the Shelbyville Institute of Dance or whatever the, the fuck it was. It was the Shelbyville Ballet School, I reckon. Was it? Because I noticed that it was weird that it was Shelbyville. 
Mm. I might be wrong. But uh, I just find it weird that Homer didn't approve the second ad. Because he would have paid a, a mint for it. An absolute mint. A uh, figurative mint, as in a place where money is made, rather than a breath mint. Yes. It'd be weird to pay for that in Tic Tacs, which Little is what Marjorie the weird. first episode. Yeah. So Homer tries to kill Barney. Yep. And he nearly succeeds. Yeah. And then he doesn't. Yeah. And then God himself steps in. Maradona. In a wild twist. Wild twist. Yeah. God announces that he is here to fuck shit up. And he gets rid of all the snow. And yeah. then, uh, I mean, I guess neither of these men really looked at how short-term their business model was, really. Mm. Oh, that's an they never considered point. that snow isn't there all the time. Snow is transient in its nature. I mean, there's snow business like the plough business. That's good. That's what I've always said. That's very good. Yeah. Ploughing is, by its very nature, liminal. And it's, yes. it's interesting that in a... In a, in a couplet of episodes where we explore the distortion of space and time, mm. it's interesting that the, the centre point of this episode is, by its very uh, nature, a transitional, liminal uh, occupation. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Kent Brockman does a scene in which he announces the, the Barney disaster. Um, and it's a reference of Walter Cronkite, a scene-by-scene recreation of Walter Cronkite announcing the Kennedy assassination. Yeah, kind of a grim thing to go to. Yeah. yeah. Interesting, weird little reference. Yeah. Given it was, what, almost 30, or well, probably 25 years after at that point. I mean, if someone made a reference to a news story that was 25 years... If, if in the new series, Disenchanted, Enchanted is that what it's called? The new Matt Groening series? Yeah, I think so. Disenchanted? It's either Disenchanted or Disenchantment. Disenchantment, I think D- it disenchantment. is. Disenchantment. If in that TV series they made a reference to a news story from 25 or 30 years ago, I'm not sure I would be able to accurately pick that up as a reference. I'm not sure that news stories, uh, news stories stick in my head the same way. I assume that the Walter Cronkite announcing of the assassination of Kennedy is a much more prevalent pop culture thing in America. Mm. And I can't think of a single news story equivalent that would get... Because even big Australian stories from 25 or 30 years ago, like the whole Lindy Chamberlain, yeah. didn't go out my baby. I remember news footage of her walking into the courts. I've seen that. That's mm. in my popular knowledge thing. But I do not remember any news outfits or... Well, Australia doesn't really have like a Walter Cronkite equivalent, though, do we? We don't have like a figure who's quite that big. Oh, and um, I, I guess the main difference is I believe Walter Cronkite was national. Australia tends to have state-based. Mm. The closest we've probably got is political reporter Laurie Oakes. Yeah, sure. Have I told you my favourite thing about Laurie Oakes? I don't think so. During an election coverage uh, one or two years ago, a federal election coverage, um, uh, Sportsbet, I believe it was. Sportsbet. They were running uh, a betting pool on which colour tie is political reporter Laurie Oakes going to be wearing tonight. And people were betting on which colour tie. He heard that they were doing this. So every time they went to an ad break, he'd put on a different colour tie <laughs> until he assured that every single person that placed a bet was correct in their bet. Fuck. And I believe Sportsbet paid them all out. 
Well, that's great. Isn't, isn't, <laughs> isn't that the best thing that a political commentator has ever done? I can't go a day without getting a promoted tweet on Twitter or like something on Facebook from Sportsbet. They are fucking... It seems like... I feel like they're hounding me, frankly. Mm. Just constant sports bet. And I don't want to bet on any sports. No. I'm not a sports betterman. You bet on sports once and you... And it it just, ruined the experience for me. It ruined the yeah. experience of the soccer Because game. I was too engaged in winning my bet. We've talked about that in a previous episode of Pods. Yeah, in the key. Of? Springfield. Yeah. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Hmm. Uh, speaking of which, I think this episode might be over. I feel like we've... Thank Christ We've covered uh, just about everything. Uh, so... Thanks for sticking with us through all that. We actually, we've the the sting on this one's kind of long, so you know, keep listening. But uh... <laughs> this is this is the longest um, episode ever. But uh, you can follow us on all the social networks. We're on Facebook. Just search for the name of the podcast. We're on Twitter at Key Springfield. We're on Instagram. Uh, you know, probably don't need to worry about that one. Uh, you can email us at podsinthekeysspringfield at gmail Like we said before, if you aren't so inclined to do a little cover of one of the songs from The Simpsons in whatever your style is. I don't want to say we'll give you exposure because that's honestly not worth anything, but if you would just like to do that for us, then by all means, we'd be more than happy to put you on. Of course. Yeah, that would be very cool and we would enjoy it. And we apologize that we wouldn't be able to pay you. We just, we don't make any money off of this. And uh, in fact, it costs money to host, etc., etc. You know, there's reasons for it. There so, are reasons. Uh, yeah, uh, thank you for listening. And may I say, not only woozer wazzle, but also, I'm Mr. Plow, and I'm here to say I'm the plowness guy in the USA. I got a big plow, and I'll move a lot of things, like your cow, if you have one. Yep. Um, Senor Plow, no es macho, es solamente un borracho. Bye. What a weird episode. (laughs) (laughs) That was wild shit. Okay, so I've written out a list here. I was thinking about um, some of the ongoing gags we've had going and thinking, maybe we have too many of them. Maybe we need a performance review. Maybe we should go over some ones we could potentially cut out of the rotation. Okay, well, the thing I like about this is that it is, uh, at the time that we're recording this, it is the first day of a new financial year. Yes. This is around the time that (laughs) lots of businesses do their performance reviews. Yes. Um, And actually, so this is quite an apt time, I suppose. Hey, wait, when... Have we missed our one year no, no. anniversary? I've actually I've got it in my phone when we released the first episode. I can look that up right now. I've got it. I think it's next week. It is the twelfth. The twelfth. Okay. Yep. So so we're we're very much we're we're approaching our one year anniversary. It's a yes. new financial year. Yes. What better time could there be to review the bullshit that is Pods <laughs> in the Key of Springfield? So I've got a list here. I've called it. Uh, Bits we should maybe abandon, and I want to present some of these, and we can debate back and forth. So okay. there are some that I like, uh, and you know, but I think you don't. Some that you probably don't like that I will sure. figure it out. Bits we should maybe abandon. Okay, so my first one here, uh, one that I feel like you are probably sick of, asking people who their guys are. Yep, that can go. <laughs> yeah, you're done with that. <laughs> I mean, I I know that you you preface this by saying we could do a bit of a debate back and forth, but not interested in debating that. No, one. I think that's fair. We'll put a tick next to that one. Okay. Okay. So, so in in this instance, because you've set up the list as bits that we should abandon, a tick means yes, abandon. Yes. Not, uh, yeah. But a cross. Would mean do not abandon, which would mean keep. 
Well, if it's cross, I'll just cross it off the list to indicate that it's not one we should abandon. I feel like this is a bit like don't do what Donnie Don't does. I feel like you've put the negative in the wrong spot because to me a tick means yes, good. But in this instance, yes, good means get rid of it. And well, crossing it out, which traditionally is a means of obliteration, is your way of saying it should, we should retain it because we're obliterating it off the obliteration list. Yeah, it means we don't need to think about it. It'll just keep happening. Okay. You know, these are the ones we need to actively avoid. It's not so much, okay? It's about self-censorship, really. Okay, sure. And you know how pro-censorship I am at all times. Uh, Absolutely. So this isn't don't do what Donnie Don't does. This is don't say what Sammy Say says. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Number two. uh, Referencing that one time Mark Maron saw Damon Wayans and learned that he intended to just go up there and do a jazz set. (laughs) Yes, I'm yep. not, I mean, yeah, you, I'm feeling like this is very specifically touted towards me not liking the Marin <laughs> references that you do. Is this the rest of the list? No, oh, okay, it was only cool. those two. There are other things. Cool. Okay, number three. I think we should consider list, uh, limiting the list of main characters in the show to seven. And then we have the original. We have the Simpsons. We've got Mr. Burns, the primary antagonist of the series. And then Springfield, the town itself, which I consider to be a character in the series. Okay. I think we should, you know, we should stop saying Melhouse is the 47th character or whatever that <laughs> bullshit was. My query here is, are you talking Simpsons or are you talking Pods? Because there, there is an oh, no, ever- the Pods universe needs to keep expanding, I okay, think. I don't cool. want to limit us. I wanna- okay. okay, I'm glad the Pods universe can keep expanding. Um, I have to say, I enjoy the ongoing joke of... Yeah. Of, you know, Bumblebee Man being the 8 millionth <laughs> main character of The Simpsons. You know, I enjoy that kind of stuff. But look, okay. if, if you think that it should... If, if you've put it... If you've shortlisted it on the abandonment list, um, then maybe, maybe it is getting a bit hack. Maybe okay, it's like, getting I'm, a bit I'm going to write... I'm going to put an asterisk next to that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the symbology in this list is so baffling. The asterisk means we'll revisit this. <laughs> Okay. Okay, number four. Uh, Nick, why don't we talk anymore? <laughs> yeah, that one can go. <laughs> You're done with that? <laughs> done with that one. You seemed very upset last time I did. And then you started doing it back to me and getting very upset that I wasn't more upset by it. So well, uh... okay, the, the weird one about that is that I I brought that up as a riff and then immediately I was like, oh, why have I done this? I'm so angry at myself. <laughs> so that can, that can go for my own personal sanity. Okay, number five. And this is me thinking about the audience more than either of us. But, you know, maybe we'll keep doing it anyway. Sure. Uh, asking what people can tell us about Javier Escuela. <laughs> I don't think that classifies as a running gag. No? I don't think we've done it enough times. Okay, okay. Well, I'm going to cross that one out then. Yeah. So we don't need to think about it. Well, I mean, to be fair, you're right. It is bullshit and we should stop doing We should stop doing the incredibly niche jokes that, from our life that require explanation. <laughs> Isn't that right, Tim? But, um, Shit. Yeah. But, yeah, Tim. But I don't think we've done the uh, Harvey Esquire one. We have mentioned it. I'll, I'll agree with you on that. But I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't classify that as a running joke. Therefore, I'm not sure that we need to eliminate it or abandon it, as you've termed it. Okay, number six. I don't know how you're going to feel about this one. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. I haven't done him for a while, but you're right. He should be abandoned. Yeah. I don't mean my impression. I mean him as a person. <laughs> I think it's time to send him off out to the pastures. Get out of here, Harry Brown. Harry Brown. That was is one that, of his movies, I oh, think. I thought you were going to say that was his real name. Fuck, I was about to have, an, <laughs> I was about to have a, 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 a... Minor moment. A, um, yes. <laughs> I'm going to put a tick next to Michael Caine. Number seven, Dave Callan. Australian Ooh. comedian Dave Callan. 
Um, you mean when, when we say all right, all right then? I'll I almost feel like our version of Dave Callan though is like a different character to the real Dave Callan. Yeah, it is. It is. I did get some positive feedback from Elliot in, in of, okay. of Simpsons. Okay. Well, he well, says he enjoys us. I'm gonna get rid of that then. We'll... Okay. Uh, number eight stories about mowing. <laughs> stories about mowing. This is the only time I'm going to put my foot down. They must stay. They must stay. <laughs> okay. Well, Keith, you is this just all part of our marketing scheme to get more people to listen to episode eleven? I think so. Yeah. Okay. And then number nine, this one's a bit preemptive. This is just a thing I assume we're going to start doing a lot. Okay. Uh, repeatedly referring to this list during episodes. <laughs> yes, we should make a preemptive strike against referring to this okay, list. Okay, okay, there we go. Uh, um, Alright, hang on. Can I, can I throw some things onto the short list? Sure, why not? Um, especially in the context of the episode that we're about to record. Yep. What about the, uh, the thing I started a while ago of... Tacking on first time looking at song chords playing famous <laughs> song from Simpsons in which I inevitably butcher them. So unrehearsed musical interludes. Yeah, unrehearsed okay. musical interludes. Because this yeah. we're about to cover... Well, sorry, at, uh, this is going on the end of the episode, isn't it? So we yeah. will be covering Mr. Plough. We have just covered Mr. Plough. Yep. Am I going to look up the chords for the first time and try to do the song? Don't know. Hope not, to be honest. <laughs> we'll see what you work yourself up to. Over the course of the episode, uh, anything else you want to put on this list? Is uh... um, uh, no, because the other two big running things are the Omelette Verse and Doctor <clears throat> Colossus, and those aren't called. Well, those aren't bits. Those no, are deep theories. Those are very deep, yeah. serious theories we have. So yeah. no, I think I think that's uh, I think that's a good performance review. Do we do we shake hands now? <laughs> uh, I prefer not to. We'll, just, uh, we'll put yeah. the list over here. Yes. And if one of us breaks one of the rules, we just quietly point to it. We <laughs> just gesture at the list. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. Weird fucking idea. <laughs> Performance reviews can go on bits so we can abandon. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was funny.